Hey, what's up, Chapel of Change and friends? This is Pastor Brian. And three times a year, our church comes together and gives a special sacrificial offering. We give one at Christmas time called the Christ Birthday Offering. We give one during our church's birthday time. And we give one during Easter called Resurrection Offering. The last special offering we did at Christmas, we raised the funds to build this media center. Look around me. Look what we've done. It's about 90% done. Come with me over here. Look over here. It's about 90% done. But we're building a media center where we're going to impact the world with the gospel. Now, we are preparing for our resurrection offering to be given on Easter weekend. And we're believing that we are going to raise enough funds to cover the children's ministry expenses for one whole year. We estimate that cost to be about $80,000. Now, I know that's a big number, but we serve a bigger God. So I want to encourage you. Let's come together and sacrificially give. God is sending dozens and dozens of children to Chapel Change to learn about Jesus and his kingdom. Let me share with you about one story of two precious sisters, Athena and Luna. They have been coming since the pandemic started, and we are building a spiritual foundation in their hearts that are going to lead them the rest of their life. And that's just one story. So I encourage you, I encourage us, let's come together Easter weekend and give a sacrificial offering. May the Lord bless you back. God is good all the time. Amen. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. The Lord is good and good. We praise him all the time. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to the book of Ezra, chapter 1. The book of Ezra, chapter 1. You may need to go into your table of contents uh, to find this book. It's one of the lesser read books, but we are going to be examining portions of it in the next couple weeks, And that, as I believe that God is going to speak to our hearts. As you're turning to Ezra chapter 1, a couple announcements to make. Uh, we uh, are passing out flyers for our Easter weekend celebration. I want to encourage you to Invite somebody to our Easter celebration, which includes our Good Friday uh, service here on Good Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together, and about seven of our leaders uh, are going to be preaching for several minutes each on the last sayings of Christ, the last seven sayings of Christ. So that's Good Friday. And then... On Easter Sunday at 6 a.m. is our annual Sunrise Unity service in the parking lot in the open air. So want to encourage you to come out. It's always a special time. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to worship, and we're going to release the doves in honor of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a trilingual service. Trilingual. So look that up, what that means, right? We're going to be... Interpreting it into Spanish. So if you have any Theos or Theas or Avalitos that uh, you want to invite out, bring out. And we're also going to interpret it uh, with ASL. ASL. Go like this. Go like this. ASL, everybody. So for all our deaf family, uh, we're going to uh, want you to bring that out. And by the way, on Good Friday, one of our preachers is going to be Pastor Renee on Good Friday. And we're starting up our, we're, we are starting up our death Bible study on Thursday nights, right? We're starting up our deaf Bible study this Thursday. So all our deaf family, this Thursday, we're going to meet together uh, at 715 in the fellowship hall, right? We, we haven't had that for two years. So how many know we're rebuilding the house of the Lord? Go like this, go like this, go like this. We're building, rebuild, rebuilding the house of the Lord. So let's spread the word amen let's spread the word um also 
Did anybody have a chance to see the clip on YouTube of my uh, experience with the Dr. Phil show? Anybody saw that clip? A couple months ago, the Dr. Phil show invited me on to that show to be able to speak into the life of a teenager who was acting up. His name is Aiden. And uh, about, that, this happened last year, uh, but a couple months ago, uh, me and Pastor Trey and Brother Josh flew out to Orlando, and we got an opportunity to go to his house, Aiden's house, and to connect with him and to play basketball with him and to pray with him and take him to lunch and even took him to a pastor's meeting. Um, but I'm super excited to announce that our young adults, uh, part of our church, actually paid the airplane ticket for we to fly aid into our church this coming week, right? So this Friday, he's going to be part of our Passover meal, but then on Sunday or Saturday and Sunday, he's going to be part, go to each one of the campuses. So he'll be here next Sunday, God willing, at 1230. God willing, God willing, he'll be here. So I want to invite you back 1230. You'll get to see him and celebrate as we pray for him that God continues to work in his life. Someone shout amen. Ezra chapter 1, verses 1, and I'm going to read the scripture. It says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord steered up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kings of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. Someone say house of the Lord. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the free will offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. By the way, we have a similar assignment here to build the house of the Lord. That's part of our assignment as a church. That's what we're doing is we are rebuilding the house of the Lord in this community. Anybody excited about that? And just like this congregation, these people of God, they brought a free will offering for the house of God. We're going to do the same thing on Easter weekend, which is our resurrection offering. We are all going to bring a free will offering to help build up the house of the Lord. And the church says, amen. Now look at verse 5 and 6, our last scriptures. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God had moved arose to go up and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold with goods and livestock and with the precious things besides all that was willingly offered. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. And today, we open up your word. We pray that you speak to us. Encourage us. Challenge us. Teach us. And if need be, rebuke us, Lord. Correct us. Heal us. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. As I was preparing for this message for us today, I started to think about how the last two years have been difficult for the entire world. Would anybody agree with that? It's been difficult for the entire world. Satan has attacked 
different areas of our lives. For some, he's attacked our bodies. For some, he's attacked our families. For some, he has attacked our marriages. For some, he has even attacked our finances. I would suggest also that in these last two years, Satan has attacked our worship, our Christian worship. And the sad reality is that in the last two years, hundreds of churches have shut down across America because people stopped worshiping in their churches. Many stopped going to church. Many stopped serving God. Many stopped uh, congregational worship. And as I was thinking about that, I must admit that our church uh, was hit as well. We were not exempt from the hit that all the churches in the world took. For example, uh, before the pandemic started, across all our campuses on a weekend, there would be about 800 to 1,000 people that worshiped the Lord at Chapel of Change, around 800 to 1,000 people. Now, this weekend, there will probably be a little over uh, 600 people that worship the Lord here at Chapel of Change. So we went from around 800 to 1,000 to a little uh, over 600. And as I think about that, it teaches me that we still have some work to do in rebuilding the house of the Lord. Would someone say amen to that? We still have work to do in reaching our friends and our family and inviting them into the life of the kingdom of God. And I'm believing that in this next couple weeks, as we enter into Easter weekend, that we are going to experience as a church, a great return to church of God's people to worship the Lord. I'm believing there's going to be a great return. I'm believing that you're going to see new people and you're going to see old people that coming back to the house of the Lord to worship God. And um, I would encourage us, let's, let's reach out to our family and friends and invite them to our Easter or resurrection celebration. You never know how many people are, are just on the verge of surrendering their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're on the verge to giving their heart to Jesus, and all they need is someone to ask them to. When I think about this great disruption that we have experienced the last two years, we are not the only generation of believers to have experienced a great disruption, and we are not also not only the, the only generation to experience a great return of God's people to the house of the Lord. The book of Ezra that we started off reading today, uh, it covers the great return of God's people to the house of God after a great disruption. And we're going to be starting today a new Bible series on the weekend through portions of the book of Ezra. So I want to encourage you in your personal time to read through that chapter and prepare your heart for our studies uh, in the weekend. So let me start off by telling you the story of this time in the book of Ezra so that we can make some connections to what's going on in our life right now. There are some connections to what happened then, to what is happening now. So you have to remember that God brought his people out of Egyptian slavery. And after time in the desert, God uh, allows his people to enter into the promised land. And God begins to bless his people in the promised land. He blesses them under King David. He blesses them under King Solomon. But the sad thing was that right after King Solomon, there was a long period of decline uh, in God's people. There was a long period of spiritual decline amongst God's people. And God's 
people, they slipped into idolatry. They slipped into sinful living. And we learned what idolatry is last week. We said idolatry uh, is uh, putting anyone or anything before God. Anyone or anything that is in your life that is before God becomes an idol to you. And we learned that people are prone to idolatry. We are prone to idolatry. In fact, one great preacher of old said the human heart is an idol factory. We make idols out of everything. We make idols out of the mall. We make idols out of credit cards. We make idols out of our spouses. Some even make idols out of our kids. When you think of idolatry in our Western world, don't think of statues because for the most part, idolatry in our culture is not necessarily statues, but they're anything or anyone that comes before God in our life. And idols typically start off as a good thing that we make a God thing and they end up a bad thing. Are you following along? So the people of God fell into idolatry in the promised land. And after God showed them mercy upon mercy, and after God gave them chance upon chance, they hardened their hearts and they would not listen to God until finally God turned them over to their enemies. God turned them over to their enemies because they would not listen to God. They would not pay attention to God. They wouldn't take advantage of the opportunities that God gave them to repent. And out of God's mercy, he gave them chance after chance after chance, but they would not listen. Finally, God delivers them to their enemies, uh, the Babylonians. Babylon, the nation, came and they destroyed Jerusalem and they destroyed the house of God. And it was a very terrible time in the midst of the people of God because many people died, many people suffered, and, and most of the people that survived, uh, the Babylonians took into prison and they, and they drugged them away to a foreign land called Babylon. And the king of Babylon, suppressed their faith and broke down their spirits so imagine with me the people of God are thousands of miles away from their home they cannot worship as they are used to they cannot speak their own language their faith is suppressed and in fact some of the Psalms were written during this time and they capture the people of God's depression for example just listen to this in Psalms 1 37 verse 1 listen to what they said they said by the rivers of Babylon there we sat down yea we wept the people of God instead of rejoicing and instead of experiencing the blessing of God because of sin they're carried off to a foreign land and they are they are held in prison and they're they're weeping because they're not in the promised land they're weeping because they could no longer worship anymore they're weeping because they could no longer serve the Lord as they used to serve the Lord uh, and this time period actually lasted for 70 years it lasted for 70 years. And one day, a new king and a new nation rose to power. His name was King Cyrus. The nation was Persia. And all of a sudden, in the first year of King Cyrus, God touches his heart to free his people so that they could return to Jerusalem to rebuild the house of the Lord. The great disruption is over. The people are free. They have an opportunity to be free. But how many of you know with freedom comes responsibility? With freedom comes responsibility. And in, and in a similar sense, we, we are experiencing something similar today. We're kind of in like the same season today. You know, our prayer for the last two years has been that God would wipe the coronavirus off of the face of the earth. That's been our prayer for the last two years. And to the glory of God, we're in a season now where 
the coronavirus is declining in L.A. County uh, to the glory of God to the degree that on March 34th, they recorded only 500 new positives in L.A. County. Now, that is in comparison to 40,000 in one day in the month of January. So listen. From 40,000 to 500. Someone should have said, praise the, God, praise the Lord. Someone should have gave a clap unto the Lord. This has been our prayer. This has been what we've been asking God to do. And we're sensing uh, a new level of freedom in society. And everybody kind of feels it. It feels like in certain places, it feels like the pandemic doesn't even exist no more. But with freedom comes responsibility. And then the next couple of weeks, we're going to study how the people of God in Ezra's day was released from captivity and what was their priority after captivity. Ooh, that rhymed right there. What was their priority? What were they set on doing? They're free. They get to go home now. What's going on? And so the book of Ezra starts in the first year of the reign of King Cyrus, and it covers the restoration of God's people. Ezra covers God's people being freed to go home after 70 years of captivity to rebuild the house of the Lord. And I'm excited to teach this because there are lots of lessons in this story that are relevant for you and I today. There are lots of lessons in this story that's going to speak directly to you and I today. So I want to challenge you. Take this journey of studying with us for these next couple Sundays as we dive into portions of the book of Ezra and even read chapter 1 on your own so that you can get the most out of what God wants to teach us. Today I'm going to share with you just two summaries of what this story is all about. Just two summaries of what this story is about. Someone say number one. This is a story of a new beginning after a long season of disruption. When you ask the question, what is this story in the book of Ezra about? The first thing that I want us to think about is that it is a story of a new beginning after a long season of disruption. And let me read verse 1 to remind us. Listen to this. It says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing. So what do we have here? What do we have in this first verse? I want to suggest to us that we have here King Cyrus making a decree to free God's people from 70 years of Babylonian captivity, 70 years of captivity. And I want us to think about this, because I want us to feel what they felt uh, in their day. For 70 years, they were away from home. For 70 years, their normal was disrupted. For 70 years, they learned to live under adversity. For 70 years, they persevered through hell and high water. For 70 years, they learned to live in the midst of a storm in life. For 70 years, not five years, not 10 years, but 70 years, they got up and they were in the midst of hell and high water. And now God grants them them a new beginning. Now God grants them a new beginning. I don't know if anybody knows how it feels to live in adversity for decades and decades. 
I don't know if you know how it feels to live in a storm for many, many years. I don't know if you know how it feels to live with the same pain for many, many years. I'm not talking about one month. I'm not talking about two years. I don't know if you know how it feels to get up year after year after year. And even though you pray, every, even though you go to church, even though you're serving God, the storm is still brewing. The water is still slapping you in the face. The wind is still blowing you down. Listen, it wears on your soul. It could wear on your soul. It drains you of your energy. It drains you of your strength. It drains you of your joy. It drains you of your passion when you experience a prolonged storm in life. And sometimes there's seasons of prolonged pain in our life. The good news is I'm here to remind somebody that we serve the God of new beginnings. The good news, my brothers and sisters, is I want to remind you that we serve the God of new beginnings. And one of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah 43, verse 18, where the Lord says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Someone shout new thing. Someone shout new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's one of my go-to verses right there. Listen, he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That'll set you free right there. That ought to deliver you right there. If we ever did that, that ought to deliver you. We could say amen and go home and start a week right after that. Do not dwell on the past. He, said, he says, see, I'm doing a new thing. See, behold, look. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Listen, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Did you catch that? Just because you do not see it doesn't mean it's not happening. If God says he's doing it, then he's doing it. If God says he's doing it, that means he's doing it. So you know what be, should be our prayer? Our prayer should be, Lord, give us the eyes to see the new thing that you're doing in my life. Lord, give me the eyes to see that I might behold the new thing that you're doing in my life. Give me the eyes. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's happening. God said he's doing it. And I'm reminding you, God says he's doing it. Now, let me drill into this new beginning uh, a little bit deeper. Um, a new beginning doesn't always mean you give up on what's happening now. A new beginning does not always mean you give up on what's happening now. And now I, I want to clarify what I mean by new beginning because I don't want somebody to misinterpret me. Uh, if, if you're having marital problems, it, it doesn't mean you get rid of your spouse. Hello, somebody. I, you ain't going to misinterpret me and think, oh, I got confirmation from God today at Chapel Chase to get rid of him. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. A new beginning doesn't always mean you give up on what's happening now. If you're having basic challenges at work, it doesn't mean you quit your job. Don't misinterpret me. Don't get me in trouble with your spouse. And typically, you don't quit a job until you have another job. And can we talk like family? A new beginning doesn't mean you leave the church and find a new one either. Hello, somebody. I just want, I just want to be clear. Just want to be clear. A new beginning means or can mean a, a, a new season in life. A new beginning can mean a chance to start all over again. See, some of us, we, we have these, this problem in our life, and the way that we started to address that problem was not God's way. Hello, somebody. Some of us have this problem in our life. I'm not going to name him or her, but some of us have this problem in our life. 
And the way we tried to resolve that problem was not God's way. So instead of making it better, we made it worse. So a new beginning is God saying, listen, I'm giving you another chance to start off in the spirit instead of the flesh so that I could have my way in this situation and not you. So a new beginning doesn't always mean you give up on what's happening now. A new beginning can mean a fresh start. It could be new, a new phase in life. A new, a new beginning could also mean a new outlook on life, a new perspective. It's very powerful to have a new perspective. Because the reality is a lot of problems that enter in our life we cannot fix. A lot of problems that enter in our life we cannot change. But I'm going to give you some inside information. When you can't change the problem, change your perspective. And it will change everything about your problem. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I think i got to say that again. When you can't change your problem, change your perspective. And it will change everything about your problem. That problem don't have to change. But if you change your perspective on the problem, i.e. See, see it through God's lenses. Hello, somebody. It will change your whole life. Some of us need to walk away today with a new perspective on life, a new perspective on our marriage, a new perspective on our family, a new perspective on our career. Some of us, if we just walk away today with a new perspective, it'll change everything about us. Anybody picking up what I'm putting down? One of my favorite verses is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, where God says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Someone say new strength. He says they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So much richness in that verse. So much power. He says, he says but those who trust in the Lord will find, get this, new strength. Someone say new strength. strength. Talk about new beginnings, new strength. Notice that. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. There's levels to the spiritual strength that God has available to you. There's levels. There's the strength that helps you to crawl. There's the strength that helps you to get up. There's the strength that helps you to walk. There's the strength that helps you to run. But there's also a strength in the Lord that helps you to soar. Listen, listen, listen. There's strength that helps you to crawl because, you know, crawling sometimes is a testimony. Right? Some of y'all had to crawl to church. That's a testimony, man. I... You know, I could have stayed at home, but I, I had to cry to drag myself to church. Hey, praise the Lord for that. There's, there's a testimony in cross. Sometimes you got to crawl to work. Hello, somebody. Right? Sometimes you got to crawl to work. So that's a, there's a testimony in crawling, but then it don't end there. There's new strength as you continue to uh, uh, trust in the Lord. There's strength to get you to stand up because you can't crawl all your life. You got to get up. And there's testimony in standing. Like, there's sometimes in, in life where all you could do is stand. Like, I'm not even thinking about going forward. I'm just standing, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just digging in, right? I'm just, and there's a testimony in that. Praise God. Praise God. Some of y'all have been standing through hell and high water. There's a, there's a testimony through that. You ain't, you, you ain't moved any forward, but, but hey, you standing. You didn't move backwards, but you standing. But then there's strength to walk, because eventually God wants you to walk forward. Eventually, God wants you to just keep stepping. Someone say step. I want you to step. Then after you walk a while, after you walk a while, God said, there's another level to my strength that I have for you. Because I don't want you to just walk. I want you to run. And, there's, and then you can start running in the Lord, right? Start running with the chariots and you running in the Lord. But then after you run for a while, God said, I ain't done with you yet either. I ain't done. There's a new level that you can find if you keep trusting in me. If you keep trusting in me, eventually, I'm going to give you the strength so that you can soar. I want to I I soar. 
I want to soar like an eagle into the future. I want to soar. I don't want to just crawl. I don't want to just stand. I don't want to just run. Because it gets tired running sometimes. I want to I soar on the winds of the Holy Ghost. That's what I want to do. I want to soar. And one thing about an eagle, because he says he'll strengthen you like eagles. Eagles are built for storms. One thing about an eagle, one thing that separates it from every other bird and chickens and turkeys and eagles are built for the storm. And when all the other birds fly away from the storm, the eagle is the only one that flies into the storm. All the other birds, they run for cover when that storm comes. Not the eagle. The eagle looks at that storm and says, oh, I got me an opportunity right here. And the eagle flies directly into the storm. And you know what the eagle does? The eagle uses the wind of the storm to fly higher until higher and higher until it's above the storm. So only, it's the only bird that uses the storm to fly higher. Listen, you know you're an eagle when you run into a storm and you thought it was going to kill you, and instead of killing you, it made you better. You know you're an eagle. When you ran into a storm, you said, man, I think this thing is going to kill me. And after three, four years, it didn't kill you, but made you stronger. It made you better, made you pray more, made you worship the Lord more. You know you're an eagle. You know you're an eagle when... When you bumped into the storm of addiction and you thought it was going to kill you and now you're a drug counselor helping other people come off a of drug. You know you're an eagle. You know you're an eagle when you used to live on the streets and you were homeless and now you're helping people find homes and to get rooms. You know you're an eagle. You an eagle when you, when you were hurt deeply and, and instead of allowing that hurt to paralyze you the rest of your life, you, now you're bringing healing to other people. You know you an eagle when you use that storm to fly higher and higher into the future. I feel like jumping off the stage and flying. Don't do it. Don't do it. I think I could. Okay, I'm not going to do it. My wife said don't do it. Go, go, go. So this is a story of a new beginning after a long period of disruption. But there's one more thing I want to bring out. This is also a story of a new passion after a long season of discouragement. It's a story of a new passion after a long season of discouragement. I want to, I want to call your attention. I'm going to read verse 5. Just hear what it says. It says, Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin... And the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God had moved. Notice that phrase. I'm going I'm to read it in another translation. Listen to this. Everyone whose heart God had moved. Listen to another translation. God steered their hearts. Listen to one more translation. Just to give you another aspect on the same verse. Listen to what it says. Everyone whose spirit God awakened. See, let's think. No doubt, the people of God here lost their joy while in captivity. They lost their joy. They lost their purpose. They lost their passion. They lost their sense of meaning. They were depressed and broken. And Psalms 137 captures their depression. Listen to what it says. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the populars, we hung our hearts. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. They're clowning them. They're tormenting them. They're clowning them. They said, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? The Bible says they hung up their harps. Listen, the devil stole their worship. The devil stole their joy. The devil stole their passion. They hung up their harps. What they were passionate about singing unto the Lord, they hung them up. They were 
broken in spirit. They're depressed. They're discouraged. They can't get away from the TV. They can't get away from the kitchen. They can't get out of their room. They can't get out of their living room. They're stuck in their home. They're curled up like little babies. They don't understand why they cannot break loose. And it's interesting that before God expects them to move, he gives them a new passion. He touches their hearts. He awakens their soul. What we're seeing here is a new spiritual movement, um, an infusion of life from above. God steered the hearts of his people. He knew that he, they could not break away from that TV in their own strength. He knew that they could not snap out of that depression in their own strength. He knew that they could not step, uh, step out of that paralyzation in their own strength. So he gives them new spiritual movement. He gives them an infusion of life from above. And those who were stirred in their heart, they received a new passion. They received a new energy. They received new life about them, a, a new sparkle in their eye, a new pep in their step, a, a new sense of commitment, a new sense of, of, of purpose. Those that received their hearts touched, they received a new passion, a new energy, a new life about them, a new sparkle in their eye, a new pep in their step, a new sense of commitment and faithfulness and zeal in their heart. Before they even got up, God touched their hearts. God always wants to touch your heart before anything. And listen, I'm here to encourage somebody what he did for them, he'll do for you. I'm here to encourage somebody what he did for them, he'll do for you. I'm here to encourage those that are watching online that may feel like they're stuck in your home and you can't break through that spiritual laziness. What he did for them, he can do for you. He can do for you. See, the reality is, my brothers and sisters, if we could talk like family, the reality is every believer experiences seasons of highs and lows. Every believer, you're not the only one. Every believer, the longer you've been saved, experiences ebbs and flows of their spiritual energy, highs and lows of spiritual commitment, seasons of high highs and low lows. In every generation, we've encountered this. We're not the only one. I'm not the only one. When you read the Bible, you see the people of God from time to time. They're crying out to God for renewal. From time to time, they're crying out to God for renewal. In fact, in Psalms 80, verse 3, the people of God said, Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we might be saved. They cry out, Renew us, O Lord. Even King David, you remember him? He was the one as a little kid. He used to sing love songs to God on the mountain with the dirty sheep. He used to play instruments to God by himself. You remember King David, the one who danced half naked in front of everybody because he didn't care. He wanted to demonstrate his love for God. He was not ashamed of the gospel. You remember him, right? Even he cried out in Psalms 51 verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you even David and we sing about his dancing we're gonna dance like David dance we're gonna shout like David shout anybody remember that song we sing about that brother and even he had seasons of his life where he cries out and Lord says I'm not feeling it today God, I'm not feeling it. I've, I've entered into a slump, and I'm not studying as I should, and I'm not going to church as I should, and, and Lord, I just, I just feel that I'm in the spiritual slump, and King David, he just cries out, restore to me the joy 
of your salvation. Take me back, Lord, to when I first encountered you and the thrill of seeing you and the thrill of experiencing you. Lord, take me back to when I used to read my Bible every day. Take me back when I used to talk to people about you every day and people got, on, uh, got mad at me and they would shun at me because all I wanted to do was talk about you. Lord, take me back to how it used to be. Even King David had to cry that out. He says, make me willing to serve you, God. I don't want to serve you out of grudgingness. I don't want to serve you because I have to. I want to worship you because I get to. I want to serve you because I get to. I want to come to church because it's a blessing to come to church. And I recognize that I'm blessed to have a building and I'm blessed to have a worship team and I'm blessed to have ushers at the door. Lord, make me willing to serve you. Make me willing so that my mama can't call me up and remind me about church. Make me willing so that my spouse don't have to get on my nerves all the time. Make me willing so that there's an, there's an alarm in my spirit that I heed it. Every time it goes off an hour before church, it says, get ready, brush your teeth, comb your hair, put that aqua net on, you're going to church. Put that three flowers on. Hello, somebody. Apostle Paul, he warned the church in Romans. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, he says, you know how late it is. The time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. He warns the church, he says, you know what time it is? You know what time it is? Remember back in the days we would say, you know what time it is? Where did they get that from? They got that from Apostle Paul. He said, wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. He said, wake up. So in reality, man, there was Christians then that have fallen asleep to the will of God. There were Christians who had fallen asleep. And to fall asleep means to be inactive towards God and his will for you. That's what it means to be asleep, spiritual asleep. It means to be inactive towards God and his will for you. You could be sleepwalking and not even know it. You could be going to work every day and still be spiritually asleep because you are inactive towards God's prompting in your life. You're not responding to when God tells you, uh, go to church or worship me or read your Bible. You, you've fallen asleep. To fall asleep means to be living out of order. Be living out of order, not, not lined up with God's will. My life is not lined up. My mind is not lined up. My behavior is not lined up with God's will. My speech is not lined up. My dress is not lined up with God's will. My, my, my marriage is not lined up with God's will. So I need a spiritual lineup. I need the Holy Spirit to line me up. And that's what my prayer is for. Every time you come to church, you get a spiritual lineup at Chapel of Change. They just line you up. To fall asleep means to be spiritually lazy and lethargic. Can we talk like family? Sadly to say that the pandem pandemic has rocked a lot of believers to sleep. Rock of my baby on the treetop. I haven't done that for a while. When the wind blows, maybe it's a sign from the Lord. When the rain brings us out. Right? The pandemic has rocked a lot of believers to sleep. These last two years has sapped a lot of people of their spiritual passion. It has sapped a lot of people of their spiritual fervor. Many believers have fallen out of spiritual rhythms. Their spiritual rhythms have been disrupted. And the reality is, my brothers and sisters, when you allow yourself to get out of rhythm, it's hard to get back. When you allow yourself to get out of rhythm, it's hard to get back. What's right in the spiritual is also correct in the natural. You, you stop working out, hello somebody, it's hard to start working out again. You get out of rhythm of working out, you ain't going to work out for a long time. 
You stop studying in school. You say, I'm going to take a semester off. And then, oh, I'm going to take two semesters off. Let me tell you something. The, the longer you're out, the harder it is to get back in. And it's the same with engaging in the life of the church, i.e. the kingdom of God. The longer you stay away from the church, the easier it is to stay away. The longer you stay away from church, the easier it is to stay away. I remember when the pandemic first broke out, there was this one brother who kept coming. And I remember I asked him, I said, bro, why you keep coming? Ain't nobody here. Why you keep coming? Ain't nobody here. And to, he responded, he said, you know why? He says, because I'm afraid if I leave, I won't come back. He said, if I'm afraid, if I leave, I won't come back. You know, how many know there's some truth to that? There's some truth. Thank the Lord, y'all responded to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Just like God gave these people a new heart for the house of God, I can sense it. God has given you a new heart for the house of God in your generation. And the good news is, my brothers and sisters, that God can renew our passion for the house of the Lord. The good news is that God can renew our passion for worship. God can renew our passion for, for serving him. God can renew our passion for praying. God can renew our passion for studying God's word. The good news is you ain't gotta be stuck. And I'll even tell you, God can renew your passion for your marriage. God can renew your passion for your marriage. God can get you to look at your spouse through a new set of eyes and set you on fire. God can renew your passion for your school. God can renew your passion for your career and your work. And listen, God can renew your passion for life in general. Some of us just need passion for life. And I really believe, I really believe that in these next couple weeks, we're going to experience the great return. And we're going to see old people, we're going to see new people come to the house of the Lord. That's what the Lord is doing right now. He's steering up people to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now, here's what you are, you and me are. And I'm going to talk like a pastor now. I'm going to pastor you right now. Okay, here's what you and I are. Number one, we are not to condemn people. We are not to look down upon people who come back to the house of the Lord because you never know what hell somebody been through. You don't know what went on in their house or their life. But here's our assignment. God put this in my heart this morning when I preached at the 930. I'm going to tell you all, we in this next season are called to be spiritual jumper cables. Oh, that was a 64 going up and down. That was a different sound right there. Every time you smile at somebody, every time you may greet somebody, shake somebody's hand, give somebody a bump, give somebody a hug, whatever you're comfortable with, listen. God is using you as a spiritual jumper cable to ignite a fresh fire in the hearts of his people. So no, you're coming back to the house of the Lord, but you're rebuilding the house of the Lord because we're restarting this house of the Lord. We're re zit, 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 zit. It's going to go on fire in the name of Jesus. So we need a spiritual awakening. We need a fresh passion from the Lord. We need a fresh outpouring of faith and hope and love. We need a renewed love for God and a renewed love for each other because we're going to start having Bible studies together. We're going to start getting together and some of us get on each other's nerves. So we need a new fresh love for each other. Interpret that. So my, my challenge to us as I wrap this up is... May we cry out to God this week. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. That's my challenge for everybody. Let that be our prayer. Because wherever you're at, on the line, whether you're crawling, whether you just got up, 
whether you're walking, whether you're running, wherever you're at on that line, God is pushing you to the next season of your connection with him. So it's either time to get up, it's either time to walk, it's either time to run, or it's time to soar. Lord, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple moments, I want us to pause and to reflect upon what was God trying to get across to us? What was God saying to us? Let's bow our heads and our hearts. Reflect upon the word of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in the house today and you sense that you need to cry out to God for a new passion, a new passion, you sense that you have grown asleep in certain areas of your life and that you need God to wake you up, I want to I pray with you right where you're at there's anybody in the house today who feels like they need a new passion, a new beginning after a long season of discouragement or disruption I want to pray for you I'll ask that you just stand up on your feet right where you're at as a response to God and I want to just pray that God fill you with a new passion for this next season We've officially closed out the first quarter of the year, January, January, February, March. We are officially into a new quarter of the year. And God wants to fill you with passion for this next quarter. He wants to make you a spiritual jump, jumper cable. For those of you who stood up, I want to ask that if you're able to lift up your hand to the Lord as a sign of surrender. Lifting up your hand is just a universal sign of surrender. And before I pray for you, I want you to have a one-on-one -on -one with God. I want you to kind of pray to God, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And kind of whatever area that you're lacking in, I want you to just confess that to God, that you need to be lit in that area. So go ahead right now, just you, one-on-one -on -one with God. Just pray to God before I pray for you. Just Cry out to God wherever you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all those who stood up. I pray for all those lifting up their hands. Lord, we confess that we've been out of order and even out of sync. We confess it to you. We confess, Lord God, that we have grown spiritually lazy. We have not been following you as we should. Have mercy on us, O oh God. Have mercy on us, O oh Lord God, and fill us with fresh passion. Fill us with fresh passion, Lord God. After a, long, after a long season of disruption and discouragement, we need new passion. Lord, take us back. Take us back when we are experiencing spiritual momentum. Take us back to when we were serving you out of a willing heart. Take us back, Lord. Help us to start all over again. 
thank you for this opportunity. Fill me with your spirit. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Strengthen them and help them. Fill them with your spirit freshly, Lord God. And may this word, may this word resonate in their heart and carry them throughout the week. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is good all the time. Amen. Did anybody learn anything today? All right. You learned something. I always want to learn something. Anybody experience something from the Lord today? You experience God? All right. I want to encourage you to read the first chapter of Ezra this week to prepare for next Sunday as we dive deeper into this chapter. We are going to prepare to worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings this afternoon. Uh, I want to encourage you to give your best gift unto the Lord. Always remember we give willingly, freely. We give out of gratitude. It is a good spiritual discipline to always think about how God has been good to you before you give because out of that we give back unto the Lord. Uh, there are several ways that you can give. You can give online, uh, chapelofchange.org. You can give through the text on phone. There's a phone number you can text chapel to. Get it on our webpage. Or I'm going to call the ushers up forward to prepare. You can give through an envelope that is on the back of your chair. And uh, we're going to pray over the offering, and then we'll release the ushers to collect the offering. If you want to give through a debit card after service in the lobby, uh, on the table there, we have a machine that will help you give through a debit card uh, back to the Lord. And there's also a box there you can also give as well. My encouragement to you is to give your best gift unto the Lord because the Lord gave his best gift unto us. A couple special announcements to make before we pray over the offering. Uh, a reminder, we're preparing for our resurrection offering on Easter Sunday. Every year we gather, and one of the things we do is we give a sacrificial offering, meaning over and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. And I'm excited that this year's resurrection offering is going to cover, we're believing, to cover the expenses of our children's ministry for one whole year. Does anybody have enough faith to believe with me on that? Amen. The Lord is sending dozens and dozens of kids to Chapel of Change, and together, because we're all on the same team, we're all part of the same church, together we are building a spiritual foundation in the lives of kids that will sustain them the rest of their life. And you know what I was thinking? We need more testimonies where people stand up and they say, the Lord kept me away from drugs. The Lord kept me away from prison. The Lord kept me away from the streets. We have a lot of testimonies, and praise God, we have a lot of testimonies that say, the Lord delivered me from prison. Praise God for that testimony, amen. Uh, we got a lot of testimonies that say, the Lord delivered me from drugs. Praise God for that testimony. Or the Lord delivered me from the streets. But I really believe we need more testimonies where people say, I ain't never smoked weed. I don't know what it feels like to get drunk because the Lord kept me away from drugs, kept me away from weed. And listen, it, that may be a little bit too late for some of us. For some, not all of us, might be a little bit too late for some of us, right? But it's not too late for our kids. It's not too late for our kids. And that is our prayer for every child that comes through Chapel of Change, Children of Change Ministry. And through this special offering, you have an opportunity to invest in that eternal impact. Someone shout amen. amen. Don't forget on Thursday night, we have prayer and worship here. Thursday night, 715. 
We have youth ministry and children's ministry. Bring your whole family. Um, we passed out a letter today. Make sure you read that letter. It gives you a little bit more explanation. Also, we should have passed out some flyers today. Uh, let God use you to invite somebody to our Easter services. Don't forget Good Friday as well as sunrise service. And then we have the rest of our normal services on Easter Sunday. I'm believing there's going to be a great return. Anybody believing for that? They're going to be a great return of people coming to the house of the Lord. And listen, we're going to rebuild the house of the Lord in the name of Jesus. So we're going to pray over the offering. And then we're going to collect the offering. And I'll come back and dismiss with a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ability to give. We worship you through this offering. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. amen. stand to our feet if you're able I want to call up our pastors and leaders to the altar after we dismiss with a blessing if you need special prayer or you need a leader to talk to uh, you are welcome to come down to the altar and some of our pastors and our leaders will be at the altar ready and available to pray uh, for you it is our tradition to close out with a blessing. We want to bless you for coming to the house of the Lord. How many need a blessing for this week? Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands unto the Lord, and we'll dismiss with a blessing. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who fills you with the joy of the Lord, may you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday. Go in peace.